Welcome to Pastor Potluck. This is Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. And today we are joined by friend of the show, I hope. I literally just met Jesse Lee for the first time, but I'm excited about our conversation today. I'm going to let Peter introduce Jesse Lee because Peter has had more than one conversation with Jesse Lee. Cool. Well, Jesse Lee, welcome to the show. I'm super glad to have you on here. Uh, for those who are listening, uh, we met through a uh, uh, mutual friend, our <coughs> colleague Jocelyn Schaefer at, uh, at Grace Church in the Mountains introduced us. And, um, you know, uh, y- you're doing some amazing work in this community. And so through that conversation that we had uh, with Jocelyn Schaefer and some of the other clergy, I got to know Jesse Lee and um, some of the work that they're doing. And uh, just wanted to ask, about that and get some more perspective on your background, Jesse Lee. Um, the, the conversations we've been having over the course of the past week kind of revolve around uh, this jail expansion proposal that's, uh, that's circulating in our county commissioners' uh, decisions and conversations. And what I think we wanna do here as a, as a podcast is open up that conversation a little bit to our community and introduce you to the folks who are involved, uh, who have different perspectives on the issue. So you're gonna hear us uh, engaging in this issue over the next couple of months here and there as we have opportunities to do so. And so that, for that reason, I'm so excited to welcome you on the show today, Jesse Lee. Would you just introduce yourself? Uh, where are you in this world of Zoom videos and COVID-19? Where are you calling in from? And uh, just give us a little uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, Peter, um, thank you and Court for both having me on here. I was really excited when you mentioned this last week. I like, got really stoked about it and been looking forward to it. I think, too, I want to um, go back to, you know, how were we how we were connected. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Jocelyn Schaefer. And then when we met last week, it was actually like found out that, you know, you did your internship at my grandmother's church in Spruce Pine, which I thought was really cool, especially since like that was, you know, a person you really look, looked up to as far as that, that pastor. And that was, my grandma said, that was her, the, she said, that was the best pastor ever. So that was, that was just really interesting to me. I actually followed up with her this morning to say that we were hanging out again. And that's center of this podcast when it got done and about you being at the commissioner meeting Monday. But um, shout out to, uh, Reverend Jeremy Troxler, thanks for uh, making me a pastor. Heck yeah. Um, I'd like to meet Jeremy at some point. And so I'm calling, my name's Jesse Lee Dunlap. My pronouns are they, them. I live in Waynesville, North Carolina, specifically in Hazelwood. And I organize for an organization called Down Home North Carolina in Haywood and Jackson counties. And right now, our, our campaign in, within Haywood and Jackson is to fight this Haywood County jail expansion. Real quick, just background-wise, did you happen to listen to our podcast from last week? I did not. Okay, that might could inform this. I should have sent it to you. My apologies. Um, but we talked, you probably heard a lot of what, what Sheriff Christopher talked about as far as we did talk about the, the history with Pathways Center and kind of the work 
it was sort of a retrospective on his eight years as sheriff. Mm -hmm. And we asked him some of the questions that we will ask you today as well, as far as your hopes for Haywood County. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a position where as a, uh, as a podcast that's hosted by two pastors, we have a, an opportunity to, to curate that conversation because really, you know, every decision that we make in government and in the way we serve has, has to do and points in a direction of our hopes for the community that we're living in. So we'll get back to that, but I wanna uh, start us off with a little bit of a fun question and a much more important question than any of the rest of the last. Probably so. I, we're called Pastor Potluck, and I don't know why we've never asked this question before, but uh, Jesse Lee, do you, do you have experience with potlucks? And if so, um, what would be a favorite potluck dish that you have eaten or that if you were going to be invited to a potluck in the post-COVID-19 world, what might you prepare? Either one of those. And then I'll ask Court to, to answer that question too. So definitely familiar with the potluck. You know, that was like Wednesday night supper growing up, you know, at the Baptist church in York, South Carolina. I'm going to look forward to that, like, you know, from Wednesday night on back up to Wednesday night. So um, this, at this point in my life, like when I go to a potluck, my favorite thing to take is, uh, it's called lentil salad. And that sounds, sounds awful you know, ugh, lentil salad, but it's, um, it's a French recipe. I have a godson who lives in France and I go see him on a fairly regular basis when we're not, you know, in a pandemic, but, uh, I learned all kinds of little interesting. There's, there's no bad food in France, by the way, but they have really simple Usually. little salads and stuff that they make. And they made me lentil salad one time when I was over there and I was just like, that's the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. And it's so simple. So now it's just, it's lentils. It's, it's, you know, just the green, green lentils cooked al dente. You put a little chopped shallot or onion. I use onion, onion in there, some, you know, whole grain mustard, some red wine vinegar, a little olive oil, and you just mix it up all together. Oh, you put the little, um, like the little pickles, but you can put any pickles in there that, that you like that is in there. And uh, there's some, there's always, I always miss one thing. Oh, they put basically it's like a bacon type thing in there, but I, I generally eat plant-based. So I'd use like a, a tofurkey meat substitute, chop it up. And I swear you can't tell the difference, but um, let it sit overnight, you know, for best results. So it soaks up all those flavors. So but super simple, you know, and it's all awesome. Good really good. I'm going to have to make that recipe. Uh, Emily and I eat a lot of plant-based foods as well. So mm. always looking for new recipes there. Court, what about you? Well, uh, Jesse Lee did not say what she looks forward to getting. So we'll circle back around. Okay. Uh, if I am taking something to one, it is almost always like pick up Bojangles on the way yeah. <laughs> or something like that, because I, I'm usually between things. Um, Certainly, if it's an after church one, I've been here for like four hours by the time it's time to eat. And so no one wants anything that's, a, that's cold. Mm. And so it's usually grab something at, at a fast food or have someone. Now, a lot of times Christy will throw together um, fruit and stuff like that. So that, that works out. Easiness is what we're looking for when it comes to what you take. Mm. Now, I'm always the last one through the line. So as far as what I'm getting... 
<laughs> whatever doesn't spoil when it's cold. <laughs> that's it. So that usually sends you to desserts, and I'm not a big big dessert guy, but I can. I mean, pecan pie is just. I mean, granted, it's got like 17 million calories per spoonful. <laughs> no such thing. That's a little bit hyperbolic, yeah. but only mildly. Uh, <laughs> and but it, it doesn't matter how cold it is; it's still great. Yeah. Peter, your turn. Am I doing it wrong? Because usually my churches make me go through the line first. It's because they love you. Oh, mine. Love you I've already started eating eating by the time I leave the sanctuary. Well, yeah. it's because you're preaching too long. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get the get the, the meal so going. when you get done with your five minute sermon what what do you look forward to getting oh well everything's hot still, so <laughs> uh growing up i would i would i would always go for the cheesy potatoes and my my aunt has a good recipe where it's it's basically like uh, uh frozen hash browns that you thaw out and you mix with like every kind of dairy and then uh, throw that in the oven with some ground up uh, or crushed uh, cornflakes that you've kind of like soaked in butter on the top. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not like a mashed potato or a baked potato casserole. No, hash brown casserole. Hash brown. That's what oh, I mean. They would call it down here. We call it cheesy potato bake in Minnesota. <laughs> but uh, that's delicious. Definitely not healthy. And if I'm going to a potluck, Sad to say, I also go the easy route. There you go. And uh, this may indicate the kind of people I have potlucks with, but I usually just go buy like three or four avocados. And then I just slice them up and put them on a plate when I get there. And it's always a crowd pleaser. People love avocado. You can put it on everything, a little salt, and you're done. I'll you be know? honest with you. I don't like avocados. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I am envious of those that do. Like they look like they're, they're, people have so much fun eating them. Yeah. I'm just in the cheap seats, just watching it happen. Oh my gosh! That's <laughs> if we have a potluck court. I'm gonna have to figure out. Be bringing lentil salad. What What is it for you? We know what you like to bring. What do you like to eat? So I got an aunt that's from the Philippines, and she makes the most like, you know, tongue slap your brains out good kind of spring rolls. And I mean, she'll make a, you know, a mountain of them. I mean, those things, it's everybody's favorite. They're gone in like five minutes. You know, she probably spent like three hours making all those. And, but they're just amazing. She's like. That's so, true. You yeah, put I'm the work there. in. Yeah. You put the work in and then you make something delicious and it gets eaten up immediately. At Obliterated. just like it never happened. Well, this is cool. I'm really glad that we started off with this. I'm hungry now. Uh, but I'm glad that we started off with this topic because I feel like we're we're being true to our our podcast name yes. with that question. Nomenclature has its day. Jesse Lee, you mentioned Wednesday night uh, potlucks at the Baptist Church, and I wondered if you would be willing to share more with us about your early experiences with faith, um, and was there a time when that became really important in your life. And if you wanted to share with, with us that, because uh, I think that's a, that's a really good way to start. And I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your faith background. What's your experience there? And how is that? It's a good way to you? take us to the verses as well today. Yeah. 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 So church was always important. I mean, and faith came in right behind that. I mean, I, we always went to church, you know, every Sunday, that was a, that was a thing. And I was really drawn, drawn to that. Like I remember being really young and being like very like 
captivated by whatever any preacher was saying at any time and very like absorbed in reading the Bible. Like I got, I got my own little, you know, Bible at a young age and read the, read the heck out of it. And I was always taught if anything was wrong, that you could just go read your Bible and it would be fine. And I followed that for a long time. And even today, like if something's, something's off and I go read scripture, it's still like, makes me, you know, it makes me feel better. Um, actually, I mean, I would like, when, you know, when, I was like very studious about, you know, like so we'd have to memorize verses in Sunday school and I, you know, made sure, made sure to do that every Sunday morning and like went over, you know, above and beyond as far as like whatever the Sunday school teacher was requiring and had like more in-depth questions and um, probably like would nerd it out a little bit in comparison, especially to like the other kids in the Sunday school class or <laughs> like, what is wrong with that? <laughs> you know, and I did like, there was a time, I mean, from a pretty young age, I would say like eight or nine, you know, that I was like, I want to be a preacher, you know, because that seemed, because I was just so drawn to, to that stuff. So sometime around puberty is when I realized, because, um, something something unspoken that that just was not going to work out i mean i refer to myself as queer and that is a gender thing as well as a sexuality thing and not that i could articulate that at 12 or even comprehend that but i knew just from just you know stuff going on around me and inside me and how that was interacting i was like oh i don't think that preacher thing's going to work out too good so um but that's but that did not put me you know off of church or off of jesus it just actually made me more entrenched in that yeah i I mean a lot of us have um have experiences of not fitting in to the churches we grew up in i certainly have had those experiences along 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 different lines as well but i can totally identify with that and uh, it's a tragic thing to feel all of a sudden not welcome in a space that is you've been told is supposed to be open for everyone. So yeah. I, I didn't hear you say that you did. I mean, maybe, maybe it's true, but you didn't mention feeling not welcome at the time. Yeah. They, that, that came later. I think, and, and I think than I do. my bad. Yeah. It's, but I, but I mean, that definitely ended up happening at some point. Um, I did, however, hear, a feeling of not being able to walk into the future that you thought was awaiting you. Mm-hmm. That kind of made me, I'm not going to force you, but I, ex- exploring that a little bit more might be important. And it may also matter when we look at the verses that we have for today and see three very unexpected things happen in a row. So if you want to explore more, this idea of I thought I had this future mapped out and it turned out I didn't, mm-hmm. then we can, but you who knows more of the story, feel free to take over. Cause I feel like I've taken over and I'm guilty already for that. <laughs> and we can definitely get on the road if that works for Peter. Yeah, absolutely. So what I've ended up, where I've ended up now, I believe is my ministry and I never would have expected that. And it took me being in it to realize that and I came I came to down home through the North Carolina Harm Reduction Coalition 
And through, um, I got into harm reduction by being uh, buddies with a another like radical queer anarchist Christian over in Asheville. I just I thought really I was like the only one. And I got to Asheville uh, to I got to this area, Western North Carolina, about nine years ago, and realized there were other weird other weird folks out here, other atypical Christians. And um, so I met a buddy of mine, Hill Brown, over in Asheville who introduced me to harm reduction work and also a Christian doing this harm reduction work. And I was, Oh my gosh, this is, this is like the work of Jesus. Cause it's hard. <laughs> You're working with the most, you know, marginalized folks. Yeah. And it's pretty like for a second, like yeah. you just give us a simple definition of harm reduction. And so oh, yeah. it really appeals to me because as uh, Methodist, our three main goals are do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. So tell us, what is what is harm reduction for folks who maybe haven't heard that term before? So I like to put it in the simplest terms. I mean, and it, it really is simple. I mean, capital H, capital R, harm reduction is an umbrella term to, and it means anything that you or I or anyone is doing to reduce harm. And it's that simple. So if somebody is not getting the, the right amount of calories per day because you know, they're food insecure, taking them a box of food is harm reduction You know because they are better off at this point. And in this specific case, it's, what it's generally known for is syringe access. Mm-hmm. And that has been a really hot topic, especially in this county. Mm-hmm. But, um, so harm reduction, it, it's anything. It, it's, a, it's such a big umbrella, but it's like it can be housing for someone who doesn't have housing. It can be if someone is an injection drug user, it can be getting them uh, access to Suboxone. Maybe they're still injecting the Suboxone, but they have Suboxone, so they're not going to overdose while they're using injection drugs. So that's you've reduced the harm. Or maybe somebody has just gone from you know, injecting 10 times a day to three times a day because they are getting, because they do have a house and you know food and all these other basic things that someone working in harm reduction can get for community members. Does that, is that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes Where sense. Seat belt? Yeah. Where are the seatbelts harm reduction? Yeah, no, that's helpful because, and, and I really want, I'm really glad that you have kind of shared a basic definition with us because to be honest, I really do also see the, the um, that work as you've explained it as work that Christians should be engaged in but I think we the, the the communities that we find ourselves in as pastors here in Haywood County sometimes are kind of self-limiting as far as uh, the overlap that they have with people who are using drugs sad sad to say mm-hmm. uh, because I do see in Jesus life and work that he was always going out to where people were at, meeting them where they were at, um, and totally unconcerned with, you know, the the religious hierarchy of his day saying, deciding, you know, well, don't hang out with those people because they're unclean or they're unholy or whatever. Jesus was absolutely going to be with, and not just to like do good for those people, but to be community with those people. So thank you for, for helping us understand that a little bit more. I think one important aspect of not just harm reduction, but the way that Jesse Lee explained it is it answers the question for not to paint 
us in, in the too narrow of a corner, but um, your average white folk church mm. has this question, well, where do you start? Mm. I don't know any people like that. Where do you start? Mm. <laughs> they're doing this ministry. They're doing that ministry. Where do you start? Mm. Just find somebody and make their lives a little bit better. Hmm. It just, it's so easy. It just tells you what not to do. Don't do any harm. Yeah. Okay. Are they less harmed after the interaction than they were before you talked to them? (laughs) Then you've done well. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, that, that leads us into our scripture. I think really well, uh, let's, we've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about his ministry. I'm going to ask court to read for us. Mark one, nine through 15, which is really, the transition between Jesus' baptism and his introduction into ministry, like basically his first moments of ministry. And I hope that that'll set kind of a a tone for our conversation going forward. The baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, and the beginning of the Galilean ministry. Uh, Mark 1, 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth, of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So uh, that translation uses a word that many Christians are familiar with, uh, the word repent. But uh, but oftentimes we hear that word and we don't have a sense of what it means. Uh, the Common English Bible translates that word in a common English. And the way that they do that is by using the words, change our hearts and lives. So Jesus' initial message is, as, as he starts his ministry in Galilee, is the same message John the Baptist was preaching, which is change your hearts and lives, for here comes the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, I was wondering, Jesse Lee, uh, if you could share with us kind of like how you started to see that work as far as harm reduction in terms of uh, changing hearts and lives and how that's brought you into the work that you're doing now with Down Home. So it took a while through the Harm Reduction Coalition to gain the trust of anyone. I know court, court said, you know, that folks ask like, where are these people? I mean, that was kind of kind of experience when you're first going out with to do syringe access or something, you know, it's like, uh, here, I've got these, I've got these free syringes and people are like, I'm not going to get, come get no free syringes from you and then have the police, you know, follow me home, <laughs> you know, take me to jail. No. So it was like a long trust building process mm-hmm. that um but once people were in they're in and they're like and i didn't see it as that big of a deal you know i'm like hey, i'm just doing this thing that needs to be done to help folks and help individual folks but also help our community mm-hmm. and people would just like be so 
just overflowing with gratitude and like that it, it still it still kind of takes me back because I'll have people still reach out and say you know that was nobody else nobody else cares and here you are bringing you know bringing us this and making sure we got food and uh, yeah. um that's like the moment you know that's that was one of those times when I was like oh whoa yeah I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing well let me pause right there and ask you because so a lot of people are going to hear this and they're going to think wait a second you're helping people use drugs how is that reducing harm and and, and what do you say to that well, so most, okay, when we look at just Maslow's hierarchy, we got food, water, shelter, but we also have community as a basic bottom level need to live, right? Drug use is so stigmatized that people who are experiencing substance use disorder are many times alienated from community. <laughs> and so when you, so you're missing that, you know, you've only got 75% of the very basic, this, we're not even talking about thrive we're just talking survive you know so you're missing this whole 25 percent piece here with without the community part <clears throat> so once you get people trusting you then you can dig a little deeper you know, you know just want a basic trust like i'm just showing up with no strings attached to offer this thing that will prevent you from getting an abscess prevent you from you know having to share needles with someone who may have hep hepatitis C or HIV, you know, just making this one act safer, reducing harm in this one way. Yeah. So no strings attached. Here I am showing up consistently. And then there's a point where it's like, there's conversation. Well, you know, I haven't eaten for the last three days or I sleep on this couch or, Oh, I don't have, you know, um, a home. I'm, I haven't been to the doctor. I got a toothache. You know, all these, all these things start coming up because you, then you have a relationship trust. So then people can get engaged with care, whatever care, if it's, if it's healthcare or just, just person to person care, you know? So that's, that's the, the theory behind harm, harm as far as syringe access goes, harm reduction. Syringe access is like 10% of the work that harm reduction folks do. The other part is just caring for people in whatever ways that they need besides, you know, besides syringes. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, so does that, does that answer your question, Peter, as far as how that, how, how, how helping people use drugs actually like is harm reduction? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you're, you're out there to, you know, oftentimes when folks are addicted um, they can't help but need to seek after whatever it is that that they're you know putting in their arm, and they can do it in a safe or a less safe way. And what you're saying is, can we can we do something to help people do this in a more safe way, even as we try to build relationships, like you said, that will uh, create a community around folks that will lead them out of the isolation that may be driving them towards drugs in the first place. Yes. For, those, for our listeners, um, if you want to learn more about this, there's a, uh, well, for, I'll ask Jesse Lee to give us some resources if they're willing to share. But I also have been really moved by a TED Talk about addiction. I think you can just Google addiction TED Talk. Um, that was super mind opening for me as far as 
the relationship between addiction and community. Um, and I think that's a good place to start. The scripture that we have read talks about how Jesus' ministry started immediately after John the Baptist was arrested. And since we're talking to you because we got engaged around this issue of uh, the jail expansion, I do want to take us in that direction somewhat. Is that our wilderness? That may be our wilderness. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure it out. In the wilderness, God teaches his people. God teaches God's people. Does that make you the spirit? I don't know. I are, don't you, know. are you leading us to Now the it's getting to... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too abstract. Okay, but here, let me make it concrete for you. I was talking with a Christian, someone I dearly care for and admire, who has been active in jail ministry. And um, I, I asked her about this jail expansion, what she thought. And her response was, well, you know, at least that gives, like, if there's more room in the jail, at least that'll give us more access to be able to bring the message of Jesus Christ to them. And I walked away from that conversation a little bit nervous because it seems to me that uh, if I look at the life of Jesus, he wasn't waiting for people to get locked up to go be with them. And that relationship dynamic um, has a power imbalance. Mm -hmm. And what we see in Jesus' ministry is that he is always giving up and giving away his power and putting himself in places that are uncomfortable. Now, I won't say that harm reduction, the work of actually going into communities where people are actively using intravenous drugs is gonna be the, the ministry for every single Christian. But I do see a lot of Jesus in that work. And um, I just wonder if you would help us respond as Christians, Jesse Lee, in terms of like, uh, what do we do with that kind of predicament where we, we want to have access, but we don't know what steps to take in order to actually reach out to people who um, are going through really difficult times. And like, what is the, what, what would you recommend would be steps as far as building that community that we think will eventually lead to reduced harm? I really think it's as easy as court described, you know, just go out, go out and do it, you know, go out and there, there's folks out there, you know, if you show up some, somewhere like, like the Bethel house out over here in Waynesville, which is kind of, it's, they're trying to be a community resource center for folks, but there's, it's, it's a place where unsheltered folks are gathering during the day. So they have a place where they can go get some coffee, go get a shower, go get a little, um, you know, wash your clothes. And uh, if you show up, you know, the first time it's gonna be like, who is, who is that? You know, but if you show up consistently and with no strings attached and not, you know, like, Hey, listen to, listen to what I have to say. There's no strings attached, but just, Hey, let me listen to you. What's going on with you when, I mean, y'all probably know this as pastors, but I mean, to me, the, the earmark of a, a good pastor or a good, just a good person is someone who will listen you know, because that is a, that is a tremendous act of love. 70% of the job, I swear, is listening and, and, um, and cultivating the kind of spiritual peace to be able to just listen. 
um, and actually hear what someone is saying to you and sharing about, about their life. I want to get back to the Christian, the anonymous Christian that Peter brings up and talking about the jail and saying, well, you know, if there's a bigger, if there's a bigger bed capacity and they fill it, then that puts more people into my ministry. And that brings up a few things. Number one, I would think just looking at that issue, wow, that's terrible. Mm. But hold on. (laughs) I am one who likes to be fair. Mm. The reason that I was against the wall Mm. was not because I'm against everything attached to Donald Trump. I was against the wall when it was before before Trump was talking about the wall. I was going to have to ask you what wall you were talking about for the a second. Wall. Okay, now I remember. <laughs> I remember. It was it was like three weeks ago they stopped yeah. building that thing. Anyway, so the reason I'm against the wall, and I'm not like virulent against the wall, but anyway, uh, I, I, I but I am against it, is because I think, well, why would we want to stop the people that need what our church offers from coming to us? Mm. That's kind of the same thing mm. that this person, like an inverse, an yeah, inverse <laughs> that this person is doing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I want us to be careful at just jumping right to the conclusion of, in, of Facebook and YouTube yeah. in the era of COVID. Yeah. Many people saw it the same way. Well, yeah. hey, now that's just all, all our people got to do is like and share. And that brings our message to the people. This is a great thing. Yeah. So we, we have to be careful. I mean, do I want to see the prisons overrun so that we can reach out to them? No. Right. But I, in other ways, look at some things the same way that they do. So let's be fair. Yeah. Um, all right, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think to me, this is a, a good place to introduce a new uh, term or phrase for our listeners. Uh, and, and Jesse Lee, you may have opinions on this as well, but I believe in a diversity of tactics. And to me, in Christian ministry, that means that even if jail ministry is not my thing, or even if going out and actually creating community with injecting drug users is not my thing, that I can see and appreciate the ministry work that's going on in both places. And I can still understand that we are uh, both doing God's work. It doesn't have to be either or. Mm -hmm. I see. I see what you're saying, Peter, because like Greg, I mean, you know, Chef Christopher, like, I mean, he's, he's a Christian. And I, I know that he has gone in and sat with folks who are experiencing withdrawal. Now he can't do that. He doesn't do that for everybody that goes through there. You know, he does not have the time in his day for that, but there, there are occasions where he goes and does that. Now do we need to get more people in the jail so that we can do that? No, we need to get less people out. So people cannot be going through a miserable You're withdrawal. In jail. A lot like Paul. Well, then should we just have more people sinning so that grace can abound more by no means. <laughs> that sounds like what y'all are saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, just file that one away, but yeah, continue your thought, Jesse Lee. I mean, so we don't, we, yeah. I, I, so Sheriff Christopher is a Christian and you're a Christian and we're Christians and we're all coming at this from different perspectives mm-hmm. and we're all trying to do good. And it's a complicated issue. And I think that's actually um, a good place to be at because when we see that things are complicated and not just cut and dry, black and white, 
that gives us the opportunity to ask better questions, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's too where, especially like with something like harm reduction or jail comes in, we've got data that show that can complement some, you know, or support and buttress some of these, some of these tactics. So that that takes me to kind of where I want us to to wrap this conversation up or or point us in that direction, because I think it also you know when when Jesus starts his ministry he says change your heart and lives, for here comes the kingdom of God, and I think as Christians we uh, try to orient ourselves towards that coming kingdom, and for me personally, what I hope for for Haywood County is 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 reflective or somehow it is reflective of what I hope for as far as the kingdom of God and and so I want to ask you Jesse Lee to to give us a sense of what you hope for for this county what would be a county uh, Haywood County that looked uh, to you more like the kingdom of God, or more like a place where, you know, however you understand that phrase or, 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 or think about that phrase. Sure. Um, so when I did, when I did get into harm reduction, one of the first trainings that I got was trauma and resiliency, which is, it's basically a summation of, you know, adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. And that was one of those like you know paradigm shifts, world you know game changers. Where I walked out of that training, like everybody in this community needs this training. You know, it's because it, you go from like looking at a person and say, "What's wrong with you?" to "What happened to you?" Mm-hmm. And my dream, and we're slowly but surely there's a long game effort in this, but is to have everyone in our community be trauma informed and operate from trauma-informed, you know, viewpoint and paradigm of the world, have ACEs, you know, informed folks, even the folks who are vehemently opposed to syringe access. What I have noticed, like, yeah, I mean, y'all see folks called like the yellow shirts, saving Haywood or whatever. They, the common thread among those folks that I've seen is they all have some really severe trauma. Mm. It's related a lot of times to, someone in their life who had substance use disorder, maybe they abused them or left them or what, you know, whatever, but there's some trauma related to that. And if we could get those folks to understand and address their own trauma and then be able to view, you know, the other, the folks in the community that are struggling with substance use disorder in a different way, then, you know, we'd have, Never, all the problems solved pretty much, you know, at least the, the big root thing, we could get everything else pretty easily if everybody's on the same page, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard, I heard a, a, a sermon once in which a, a, a pastor said that any good psychologist will tell you that uh, whatever your problems are, it's your parents' fault. <laughs> um, but then the pastor said, said any good theologian will tell you that that goes all the way back <laughs> because <laughs> our parents had their own problems yeah yeah you got those from their parents mm-hmm. and i think I, I love that that insight and that you know that look that you've given us of the kingdom being a place 
in Haywood County too, being a place where people are actively working through the trauma that they have experienced. So it's not perpetuated on another generation. And I really believe that that is part of our work as Christians is to help in that process too. We want to break the cycle, but it's not just about destroying the cycle. It's mm. about improving relationships and built yes. upon, instead of having negative cycles that, that spiral downward, cycle upward. Yeah, yeah it's core. You're not going. To, you're not going to escape trauma. We're going to have traumas, right? We're going to have, even if it's just a weather disaster. You're going to experience something in your life trauma, traumatic. But having the resources to tap into your resiliency is you know, a big part of that. So you're exactly right. Well, Jesse Lee, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Um, good to meet you, by the way. Hey, I'm glad to meet you too, Court, because Jean Parrish is a big old buddy of mine. I know. Yeah, yeah. Is- we could probably talk forever about her. Shout out to Jean Parrish. Sure. have her on the show. Um, Jesse Lee, this has been really eye-opening and helpful, and I hope that this is not the last time that we have you on the podcast. Um, and uh, good luck to you in your work. And we're, we're, I'm grateful that we are part of the body of Christ, and that we're doing different work and we're doing it um, uh, together sometimes and parallel sometimes. And I, I'm just really grateful for you. So thanks for being with us today. Yeah, no problem. And thank y'all so much for having me. And I hope to see y'all soon. Great. And I will recommend to you and all the other listeners to listen to last week's show. I think it'll inform um, future conversations. If you have a perspective that you want to hear on this show, uh, let us know. Reach out to us. Um, If you want to get more involved or hear more about something we talk about, whether it's harm reduction um, or the jail uh, expansion, and you want to hear more about that, please get in contact with us. Uh, Share this podcast and, uh, you know, help us be a part of the, the change that we need to see, you know, changing our hearts and lives for here comes the kingdom of God, as Jesus proclaimed in his first uh, words as in his ministry in the Gospel of Mark. For Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. And we appreciate you, Jesse Lee. Thanks for joining us. Peace.